0: hi everyone welcome to Cecil's unknown achievers this is the fifth episode thanks to those of you who have been listening if you're a new listener Cecil's unknown achievers is all about those hardworking entrepreneurs you've never heard of Today's guest comes from a specialty niche of the printing industry. I've known him personally for years because we used to work together way back in the day. During the time we were working for those companies, we, that were owned by somebody else, I've always known him to have an entrepreneurial heart, meaning that even though he didn't own the company, he still treated the work and his customers as his own. My guest today is Brian Ormiston, and he's the owner of Augusta Label, they provide unique and creative solutions for all sorts of label and packaging needs. Brian, welcome to CESA's Unknown Achievers. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. I know you are busy. You got a lot of stuff going on, so uh, definitely appreciate the time. No, no problem. So it's, it's great to be here. To start off, just expand on my intro and tell us what Augusta Label is all about.
1: Well, we're kind of a, a niche player uh, in, the, in the label and packaging part of the business. You know our background goes back in the days where um, you know we were working for the merchant channel on the sheet fed market of pressure sensitive labels. I kind of evolved into the manufacturing side and then uh, went into working for a, a role label guy that we kind of um we kind of transitioned into the digital phase of things, you know, maybe ten years ago. what we what this has evolved to is 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 a like I said before, a niche market. Uh, on the packaging side. So what we do here at Augusta is we put shrink sleeves, we apply shrink sleeve print and apply shrink sleeves uh, that go on everything from uh, the craft brewers, uh, 12, 16 ounce cans uh, to out of the distilleries bottles. The hot new trend right now is to put a shrink sleeve on the, on a bottle uh and we and we do an awful lot with believe it or not the pet care industry in this uh, crazy times we're living in right now the pet care industry is it's just exploded so um if you're we, i've got more dog shampoo skids on the floor than i ever thought i'd, I'd ever see <laughs> um i know more about the pet care industry by osmosis at this point so it's kind of cool you know and we with with this gig economy or with these small entrepreneurs i I use the pet care industry as an example. Most of my end customers never see the product. It comes into me, uh, filled, uh, unlabeled containers. We label them, uh, with the shrink sleeve on there, ship them to folks like Chewy, uh, we ship to Amazon every day and skids as well as UPS. And it gets out there. The cool thing about the shrink sleeve market is we have the ability to put a safety seal. On these bottles, and right now Amazon is requiring all these small little producers to put a safety seal. So when you see a bottle that comes up that has a, a shrink sleeve on the top, uh, we're, in a, we're we can put a, a zipper on that top part of that shrink sleeve, and a and a horizontal perf that that comes off when the consumer gets it, and then and then the the body of the shrink sleeve stays intact, so they know exactly what they have.
0: So you're doing. Some value added things other than just putting the label on the the actual law yeah. uh, container,
1: yeah, I mean uh you know it's with with amazon uh being the big cheese yeah uh, in in with all these guys they they're driving the bus and 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 Walmart is also two and a two we ship some stuff into Walmart and things like that for these customers, but they yeah you know, they they like this safety seal option because if it's in the warehouse, it won't leak if some by by chance um the consumer then knows nothing's been tampered with, which mm. is really big these days that just gives them um these small players the ability to to compete in the in the national scale that the big the big boys are already doing
0: all right so I want to get into more detail about you know exactly what you're doing and you know how you're differentiating. Uh, Augusta label from the competitors out there but taking it back to when you were working for the other companies whether it's you know in the the sheet fed market what was going on then that gave you the the vision or the the spark in your head to to look toward doing this um you know <sighs> I, I guess it's just a
1: culmination of of, of all the years of a of being on the street you know it's you know you you when you're out in the street and you're a sales guy um you know it's the most purest form of an entrepreneurship i mean you know when when we were back on the sheet fed market you know we were straight commission guys i enjoy being a straight commission guy i always thought if I could get it done in 30 hours a week and earn a good living and uh, find another 10 hours to go play golf or do something else or hang out with my family, I'm beating the system. Uh, I'm still providing uh, good service to my employer, making a good amount of dough for my family, and I'm doing a nice little balancing act. And that's that kind of starts the ball rolling. And then as you get older and you you start, you know, everybody, I've got two sons in their their mid-20s and they, you know, like... Like all kids that age, they think they know it all. But I look back on when we were that age and boy, we didn't know anything. You know, maybe even when I was 30 or even 40, I don't think I'd have had what it takes to do what I'm doing now. Because as I tell people, it's the best seven day a week job I've ever had. I mean, there's there's days last night I got out of here about nine o'clock. It's a little different because we've just recently moved, but um, I think everything that that you do that leads up to the finally taking this this leap uh, into the small business market, you need to have a lot of experience, spilled a lot of blood on the street, learned a lot of lessons because nothing will ever prepare yourself for this. And I still learn something new every day, and it's 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 fantastic,
0: you know. Well, they they say. When you love what you're doing, you're not you're not really working.
1: It really is true, and it, and um, you you really have to you have to keep throughout your twenties and thirties. You have to really search for what you want to do. And believe me, I didn't come out of college thinking, "Boy, I want to be in the sticky paper business." I, I you know, and it just it just kind of evolved that way. But um, you know, do my sons want to be in this business? I don't know. Maybe they do when they get a little older. Um, but. I think we've got a really unique little niche of the market here that every day is different. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy all the different projects we we that evolve that makes us makes it such a fun day to come to work with. Because, like I say, every day is totally different.
0: You threw out a couple terms, and I I know you and I know these terms, but uh, when when you say sheet fed what what are you referring to because i know a lot of folks listen don't come from the industry like you and i do so yeah
1: well and so okay so the the sheet fed uh printing market is basically um you know if if you go into a kinkos or you go into a smaller print shop those are all driven by sheet fed equipment um where the where the the, the material be it pressure sensitive or or just plain c1s litho label stock comes in into the print shop on skids in a sheet fed form the majority of the label business be it shrink sleeve or pressure sensitive sticky paper uh is printed in a roll to roll form so um when you go to a i don't know you there's there's a thousand different applications but but it starts in a roll form that's 52 inches wide gets slit down at the mill the printer and Elk Grove or or in Burr Ridge here uh, prints it either 13 inches wide primarily and then prints it at a master roll and then get it gets slit down and rewound to a smaller roll uh, that the consumer sees and that's where the market is and and that market both on the sheet and and, and on the um, the roll side has evolved to digitally printed. Um, uh, a transition within the last seven to ten years, and it's really transformed the market. And if a printer right now is not thinking digital,
0: they're left behind. How far back? Because I I know for years before you started this in our conversations that you were were bringing this up, uh, this this business that you have now. Where, when when did it get birthed?
1: Um, you know, I would say. 15 years ago, you know, I I had, you know, you work, you work for, I work, for, we work for a couple of guys that, I, that you always go back and you say, you know what, I can do it better than you are because you're not treating your employees well. You're not treating, um, you know, your vendors well, and the customers see that. And so again, you, you go back to the sales part of it. You, you see that from all end, because if you don't have, for instance, when we were back at, on the Jefferson street we had a receptionist that was was the salesperson's lifeblood but the customers would call in and they'd love to talk to Pat. Sure. And, and Pat was Pat was our lifeline. I, you know, I kissed her ass at every at every possibility cuz she could either make me or break me. And if she was in a bad mood, the customers knew it and that became if, if that happened, well that affected everybody. from from the customer service to the salesperson to the guy in in the warehouse because everybody had a bad day then. And and I just always kind of thought, well, if I never do this, I want to make sure I take care of the front end as well as I take care of the back end. And and so, you know, before I started this, I worked for a a, a couple guys uh, that, you know, I knew in the past, we converted them to digital, and we kind of had this five-year deal and they were getting older and they were kind of and they were admittedly running out of gas and they were looking for a plan b and they said well let's let's get this thing rolling i built some built the sales up from scratch primarily with this craft brewing market when the craft brewers started to kind of explode in the chicago market and before that it started with a lot of the craft wineries in the market so mm-hmm. um you know you kind of gravitate to what you know wine and beer and they figured you know it couldn't be that bad a day right
0: you, you so, do know your wine though I do
1: know my wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so it it, it we went we the, the five years evolved. And again, when you're on the and it's a smaller company, about three million dollars in sales. And when you kind of do and see every part of the company, you go, okay, I might do this better. I might do this better. How how would I change this? So finally, the five years kind of came up, and we were in a little uh, standoff as far as bonuses on sales. Uh, in addition to sales over the last year, and they just, you know, they were in the point where you're making more money than we are. I um, am back to the old, like you know, I, I'm driving the bus here, and I'm giving you, you know, without me, you don't have, you know, a million dollars in sales. Long story short, the one partner said, "Okay, let me give you the books." And I looked at the books, and they were just upside down in every different way. And I went to guys that were smarter than I am, and said, "All right, if you had this." could we get a money to buy these guys out? And they said, not a damn chance. So I said, well, a five-year deal is off the table. We're in trouble. We're, we're not going to work on that. <laughs> and that kind of said, okay, what do I want to do in the next 10 or 15 years that is going to keep me motivated and excited. And as, as you know, now, especially, you know, when you, when you get in, in past your fifties, um, you you become less viable for one reason or another to employers, and you're easy to get rid of. Um, and I'm like, pardon me.
0: No, understood. I understand. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. So I didn't want to be that guy uh, because I because I you know I thought I had a lot of good years of of excitement in the industry. I had a lot of a lot of things I still wanted to do. So I'm like, how do I leverage this? And so I, you know, I, luckily I have a very understanding wife and she, we talked about it and and I put a plan together and we, and I went after it. And it started out primarily uh, with the desire of to start slowly, broker a lot of printing business to start with, add some equipment, go from there. And then what happened is, is the shrink sleeve market was in its infancy and we pivoted uh, brought a machine in that will apply the shrink sleeves to the bottles and cans, and just kind of started figuring it out, you know, and, and this was four and a half, four and a half, five years ago when, the, when the shrink sleeve market kind of started in earnest from a smaller scale and the craft brewers were going from bottles, uh, that are tough to move around they're heavy, they're expensive and they're not very environmentally, uh, and friendly to cans, and so we just kind of evolved that way, and started putting shrink sleeves on the brewers and uh, for breweries, and it just kind of evolved from there.
0: So it was a gradual process, and one of the things I know when I talk to folks who started businesses, and and some who are, you know, working a, a full time job and doing their business on the side is they have that that moment or period in time where they're they're thinking. You know I, I need to devote all of my time to my passion yeah yet you have the 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 almost a question in your head as what about the security of the the full-time job so tell okay. me what, what was going through your head and how were you challenged well, during that time for you
1: well um i can remember um the day i took my younger son patrick to college his freshman year um, we are driving up to Kenosha. I, he went to Carthage and I told him, Hey, I'm going to quit my gig and start Augusta label. And he kind of looked at me <laughs> and went, really? <laughs> I go, yeah. I said, I'm going to do it. I said, I've been working on this, you know, the plan for about six months, not happy doing what I'm doing. Uh, your mother gave signed off on this and here we go. And I can remember I've got a pretty good network of guys that are older than I am that again, much smarter than I am that I went to and said, all right, this is what I want to do. Help me out. Give me your advice. How did you do what you did uh, when you started your company? And I remember playing golf with this guy and we were, (laughs) we're walking down the fairway and I'm telling him what I'm doing. He goes, and you know, I was about 50 at that point. And he goes, "Um, Ray Kroc started McDonald's at 50. I went, okay and he started listing all these other guys that started their businesses, you know, when they are over sure.
0: forty-five.
1: And I went, well, Ray Crock didn't know it all when he started. So, you know what, if they can turn McDonald's into what it was, you know, maybe I've got a half a chance here. Um, and we started and, 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 you know, we've, we've just, you know, we've, we, we do. It's cliche to say, but we, we try and make sure we take care of the customer. And that's kind of where, you know, when I was trying to name the company, Augusta label came came from because obviously there's the golf hook. But, um, you know, Augusta in the Masters tournament is is something where they they've, they've figured it all out and they take care. They take customer service for the for the player that plays in the masters tournament or the as they call it patron that goes down the view it, be it for one day or for all four days, they treat you with with service like you, I you just it's never you, you it's unparalleled.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I thought if I could if I could just do a fraction of what they do well, I'm gonna have happy customers. And like I say, it's cliche, oh the customer's always first and blah 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 customer. But the customer does drive the bus, and if you take care of the customer when they have a problem, when they call in or they send you an email, um, you're beating three quarters of the competition. I truly believe that because there's guys, there's vendors, and there's co- that I deal with. There's customers that I've had that guys just don't get back to you. I've got a guy right now sitting on my desk where we we moved in the last couple of weeks. He I called him to uh, fix our, our air compressor. And he came in two days after I called him. Okay. And this was Friday and here it is. It's, it's a Wednesday and I, and I called him since then. I still don't have the quote. And you're like, you know, if I, I, I got to find somebody else. Cause if you can't get me a quote, how are you going to do my, how are you going to, you know, you're
0: going to do the job.
1: Right. <laughs> so it's just, Basic block on a tackle and like that, you're like, listen, I'm not the smartest guy out here. But, man, you you just got to cross the T's and dot some of these I's, and you're going to be pretty good.
0: Simple you as know? returning a phone call sometimes.
1: It is. I mean, you know, if, if you have to stick around a little bit later uh, and make sure that the, the, the phone calls return. Because, listen, right, not, the, today there is no 9 to 5. There is no standard business hours. I get calls from my brewers at 8 o'clock at night. Uh, I've got one customer that runs their business out of the Philippines. They're 13 hours ahead of us. So I'm getting emails at the, at, at, at all hours, but you got to answer them. Even sure. if you go, Hey, I'll call you back tomorrow type of thing.
0: You know, that's what separates those who excel and those who don't. So that, that kind of leads me into this, you know, the, the industry that you're in is it's been around for a long time. There's a number of, of other players and customers have choices of yeah, course what, sure. what do you feel first brings them to augusta label and and what keeps them coming back
1: well you know there's always going to be people <clears throat> like competitors that do it bigger and faster
0: um
1: they're going to and as a result they're going to be a little bit more you know, price competitive um be it buying buying better than i do um you know there's there's customers competitors that buy if i buy a, a half a truckload of a cans um they may be able to buy five truckloads of cans it's a cash flow issue um, they're going to get a better price whatever I, I like we treat every order that comes in here individually because when you're brewing a beer or you're making wine this everything that goes in that bottle is is got your stamp on it and I want to make sure that we we put our stamp on everything, because when it hits you, and if you've got a crushed can or you've got a broken bottle or that label isn't on straight, well that 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 reflects poorly on me and, and us and my guys. I'll give you a prime example. We had a customer in California. We we shipped six kids to a trucking company. I hate you know truck truckers and graphic designers are the biggest problems in this business. The trucking company flipped these skids. And if you flip a lot of cans, they're just destroyed. Yeah. So we finally got back here and we've spent the last three days sorting through them to get him, his cans back because he's got beer in the tank. He's got to get it out. So we went through every single one of these four skids to make sure each can is right because each can somewhere down the line is going to hit the consumer. And if it hits the consumer and the label isn't right, well, you know what? That reflects poorly on my customer, and he's going to come back to me and say, "Brian, you, did, you, you guys didn't do a good job here." Um, so that's kind of the the, the theory behind it. Um, you know, we'll do smaller jobs and tackle some of these new startups before they get big, in the hopes that we build a relationship with them. We start them when when they're when they want five hundred cans, we'll do that for them, and then when they want ten thousand or twenty thousand cans. I hope we do a good enough job where they're going to come back to us,
0: you know. Sure. Who's in your wheelhouse? Who's the ideal customer or is there one?
1: You know, um it's we're so all over the board from from craft coffee makers uh to small, some some these smaller distilleries to the smaller upstart uh folks in the private label pet industry and all and all the craft brewers out there. Um, you know the craft brewers right now are are surviving on cans and primarily with the 32 ounce crawlers. That um, you know if if you go in, in, in the, into in the tap room and you get get into the tap room these days, you you have a beer at the bar and you say hey I want to take this home, they'll fill this 32 ounce crawler right there, seam it, and it'll, and you can take it home. So. Mm-hmm. So what happens is we have the we we bring in um, the cans, put the shrink sleeves on them. We're shipping them all over the country, based on um, their design. And you know, if they want five hundred, they want two thousand. We'll ship it to them. So they're staying. They're basically trying to stay afloat because if right now, if you're a small guy, you know, in the, in the Midwest, you're anywhere between twenty five percent open in Chicago to forty percent open in the in the, in the suburbs. And listen at 40%, you're barely covering your your light bills and you're barely staying alive. So right now no one's hardly going into the going in the restaurants. So your tap, your tap business, your keg business is dead. So if you can't, so if you can't survive with without in the distribution market where you're selling 16 ounce cans, the only way you're going to do it is with these crawlers. And, and that's how a lot of guys are staying awake. And staying in and staying
0: afloat. Yeah, they're especially during this time.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, we're gonna go through the next three or four weeks when it starts getting cold, and, and it's gonna be really interesting to see who can hang in there. Because right now, traditionally it starts to slow down till St. Patrick's Day. And you know, if Lori Lightfoot isn't gonna open the city up and, and let these guys try and try and survive. The, they're just going to fold the tents up and they're not going anywhere. I mean, when, right now, if you, if you're in a restaurant business, you got a 50% chance of making it to Thanksgiving. And I'm telling you, it's just, it's sad. You know, it's, it's, it's brutally tough out there. And I don't think the governor of Illinois or the mayor of, of Chicago, they understand how tough it is out there because most of the, most of the landlords for these breweries, they've gotten, they've given their guys concessions, but you know, you can only do it so long. And right, right now, you know, you know, <laughs> the taxes and 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 the hoops that these breweries in downtown Chicago have to jump just so they can get a tent outside is is horrible. And they they and when it gets cold, no one's going to want to sit out in a tent with a heater going when it's 20 degrees out.
0: Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting to see how that's handled.
1: And, and, you know, and, and, you know, everybody's got to stay safe and no one in the industry wants their customers to stay safer than the restaurant business. Cause one, one customer that gets sick or infects their, their staff, they're done, they're shut down. So these people are taking extraordinary precautions. Their costs are going up with it. They've put on more staff to sell a quarter or a 40% of the beer they're selling before or food. And it's and they just can't sustain it that long. You, no one can run their business at forty percent at the most and sustain themselves. You know,
0: how has the the pandemic affected you and your daily running of of your your place? How, how many employees do you have?
1: We've got, uh and, and, and it's kind of a a moving target. You know, we have have, have uh, four full time employees, and we have about the uh, six part time guys. I've got part-timers that didn't go back to college uh, that are taking online classes at home that are working for me in the afternoon and a second shift. I've got the high schoolers that we uh, we do that have always worked for me uh, that are, you know, they're we're working from on the zoom and, and they're now some of them are starting to go back, but you know, they don't have any, they they got a lot of time on their hands. I've got a, lucky. I've got a good group of guys that are that, that, are hustling and want to work. And so I've got more work than I can give them. Uh, I mean, we're, we're very, very knock on wood, fortunate that we were in the right spot at the right time set up to, to, to handle this. And um, things, things took off very nicely. And, you know, when the governor back in March shut things down, uh, I was in the office all weekend with my accountant and the lawyer to figure out, am I, a necessary business. Um, how am I going to keep my employees, families fed and employed? I was, I was freaking out. I didn't, I, I, didn't I would imagine freaking. because you know, that as everybody knows, when they, when they invest themselves in this business, you have everything you own in this business and you've got families that have kids and that hits, that's, that's really, that weighs heavily every night on you. And to, to say, hey, I got to get rid of these guys because I can't, I just can't do it. I was trying, I was doing everything I could to figure out how important we are. I had um, a press release that I, that I was ready that I sent to my employees. So when they were going to come back Monday, if they got stopped by the police, that they were going somewhere they shouldn't, they were going to say, hey, we are an integral business. But then Monday morning came and it was almost like, well, nothing's changed. You know, right. employees can come in. No one was checking. We, and then, as the as the weeks went on, everyone was kind of like, "Well, the the companies that weren't of necessary, they they had to shut down." We were fortunate that we were we had a lot of important business that the restaurant business and the brewing business that were consistent that that were deemed essential, and we were allowed to stay open and 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 our business. <laughs> Uh, mostly to those crawlers situation we were talking about before it took off. Like I, I, I just, I never anticipated.
0: So well, I'm, I'm, you know, my hope and hope of a lot of people of course, is that the these businesses are able to s- slowly open up more and one people stay healthy. Right. And this thing, this Corona virus gets beat to death where it's just it's- non-existent. Um, but that's that's going to be family. determined by, you know, how well people uh, obey the you know the well, rules and are, right. I mean, I think, and all that.
1: I think it's. I mean, I you know, I don't care what's. I mean, you could be on either side of the fence with the Democrats or Republicans on this. But people just. I mean, I people just have to be smart. I mean, I got Common a sense. Our, our age that went to a wedding in Indiana where there was 180 people at this wedding, and I'm thinking, and he got sick. I'm thinking, well, you were, you're a knucklehead. What were you thinking? Okay. Yeah. That's just not smart. And and the mask, I hate the damn masks. And and but I'm wearing them. You know, when I have to wear them, I'm wearing them. Sure. Um, you know, do I wear them in my car when I'm by myself? No. You know, but if I go into a store, I wear it. I don't like it, but I wear it out of respect for people I'm around. Sure. And myself, I don't want to get. I don't want to get sick either. If I get sick, I, we've got some problems around here. So, um, you know, I think we just have to be smart about it, and let's not make this political. Let's just be smart, and we're going to get through it. And, Thank you. and 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 down the line, I truly believe. And and as as a as a small business owner, you have to believe in yourself, and you have to believe that the future is going to be better than the past, and that's the optimism. You have to relate to your employees and your customers, even though, yeah, I know, I know I'm going to lose, you know, 25% of my customers because I don't know if these guys are going to hang on and it's, Mm -hmm. it scares me, you know, because as you know, these become your friends and your circle and they're in the same boat as you are, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully we can rebound and, you know, get things back to, uh, I guess the new normal, as they say, and yeah. back to the old normal. I mean, so, I don't know if
1: we're ever going to be uh, uh, elbow to elbow and shoulder to shoulder watching. Uh, not
0: for know. a little while anyway.
1: Right. Well, <laughs> whoever, whoever replaces Eddie Van Halen uh, or, or any of those guys. But, you know, I mean, I, I think those those days, like you say, the new normal, you know, it's, it's going to be different. That's for sure. I mean, our kids aren't going to, like I say, go to these concerts and the, the day of going down to Soldier Field and seeing the stones play or anybody else play in in on, on the infield or on the field, that ain't going to happen. Not for as long as we can remember. For, yeah,
0: not for a little while. Yeah. So, yeah. so switch, switching gears here a little bit. Um, Talked a little bit about customers and you inherited a small book of business, I guess, from the, the previous guys. And you obviously your sales efforts built it up to the level that it was that you were able to invest in it and purchase it. Yeah. Because you've got a lot of other things that you got to do operationally now. How are you going about acquiring new customers?
1: Well, if I could give one piece of advice to any new startup is learn Google ads. My wife has done a great job. She, I, We kind of tasked her with that. Uh, we advertise on Google. We don't spend a lot of money in comparison, but that is the new, that is the new normal. And if you don't understand... How to work Google Ads? You are going to be left behind. Print advertising is dead. <laughs> My father, who was in print advertising, is probably rolling over in his grave. But I'm just telling you, anyone calls me for a print ad, there's just there's just no way you can match the massive reach that Google has. I charted last year that we we had shipped our small little company had shipped to 45. Of the continental states uh, in the U.S., that's that's crazy, and you know we with with Google we're shipping to uh, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. We're shipping we're shipping to California. We're shipping into Colorado. We're shipping into Delaware. Everywhere it's it's and the only way I can reach that, and again because I have a niche market, you're able to pinpoint if you look for crawlers. And, and you Google crawlers, we're gonna come up. We're gonna come up in that first page uh, and it's gonna point you to our website and give you give you our information and you're gonna reach out. We chart our Google performance every month. Google, it, it's, you. even as a small business person, you will have your own Google rep and they call you and they, and they may not harass you, but they make sure you know how to optimize your performance on Google,
0: and now, in, a, in addition to that, is is there still a need, or maybe there isn't, for beating the street like like you had done in the past?
1: Oh, for sure. And and but here's the interesting thing that's taken, especially in the the local market. You have to be on the street because if a customer has a problem, I've always felt, and I've always done, they want to see you. And maybe if they want to rip you a new one, they want to do something. They need to vent. They need to know you're on top of it. The new sales technique, at least I've employed, is I'm delivering a lot of my local customers' orders if I can. We've got a pickup truck where we 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 strap. You look, watch us on social media. We we strap these cans to the back of the pickup truck if it's less than you know four or five thousand, and we deliver them. The great thing about that is when you deliver an order, you're going in the back door, so you're seeing the guys that are mostly affected with your product foremost. So you meet them if you don't already know them. And then they're gonna tell you things that their boss isn't gonna tell you. And then when you go up through the through the back into the front office, they're gonna they're gonna see you because you've you've helped them out. You've stayed and and I don't we don't charge for that shipping. If we have to bring a truck in, I'll charge for the shipping. But you've done them a favor by by saving them 150 bucks in shipping costs or 125 bucks and they're gonna they're gonna talk to you, so that's kind of changed the sales call totally, at least for us.
0: So you still got the little, even though there's a lot of internet marketing, there's still that little personal you, you
1: touch. Have, yeah, you have to touch the touch everybody, and that's that's the, the the you know people buy from people they're familiar with, and the in it's unfortunate the, the our kids generation they you know, they want to do everything on the internet. And, and this, this general, that generation will spend all day trying to save five cents. And if they want to kick tires all day long, Augusta labels, not the joint to be partnered with. But if you want, you know, if you want a, someone to pick the phone up and call you back when you need it, call you back when you have a problem. If you call here Saturday mornings, someone will probably get back to you because they're usually here. They need to know there's someone at the end of the line. And I get a lot of A lot of leads from my competitors from because my competitors just don't pick the darn phone up, which is fine by us. Sure. (laughs) You know, it's not rocket scientists, you know.
0: You've got a lot of experience, not only working for other companies, now working for your for yourself. Talk about some of the decisions you've made since you've been on your own that you feel were great and maybe some that you felt. We're not so great.
1: Um, employees are the employees are always the toughest part. We had a a guy in here for a couple of years. He was a a marine in a marine in the marine reserves. Uh, I knew that. Uh, we we embraced it. He started with us from a employment agency. We use an employment agency when we can't network locally, and we accommodated him on his weekends gone, and then two weeks during the two to three weeks during the middle of the summer when they had to go on their, their deployment. He was a good guy. He had an alcohol problem that we addressed. Uh, we brought one of, I brought one of our friends in that, that has gone through that to try mm-hmm. and help him. He'd he got arrested a couple times and, and you become, and then, and, and then, you know, when he was sober and a good worker, he was, he was a good guy and he had a child. We watched it, you know, we, we, we knew him from before before he had when he was single he was still single they never got married but anyways long story short so he just did couldn't find his way he became belligerent with other employers or other employees he was a little violent when he was away and he was having some problems we did everything we could to help this guy and he finally came in my office one day and just said he needed about an exorbitant raise or he's going to leave and he figured out pretty quick that that he he's very replaceable. And the the it was tough to let him go because again, I think when he was in his right place, he was a great guy. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had a kid. You know, he was you know, we wanted to help him out. We we became friends. And um he just was in a bad spot, made a bad move, and he we had to let him go. And we, we didn't do a good enough job training the other employees because he, he his leverage, he thought, was I have all the knowledge and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, you guys can't live without me, so you're going to give me this raise. Um, out of principle, that wasn't going to happen if I had to <laughs> go back and run, run the machine myself, which I did. But in hindsight, it was the best thing for us because instead of one guy knowing everything and training everyone else, We've now put a manual together for training and we've, we've let everybody learn how to run uh, the, our machine uh, and what we do around here. Um, so did we have a couple rough weeks? Sure we did, but in the long run, we're a stronger company for it. Uh, we've got better employees. We've, we've got a better vibe around here now. And you don't know some of these mistakes you make until you've, rectified them down the line and and you've come out on the other end you know so that was you know that's you know that's been real good and you know some of the other things i've done i think well is making good friends with the fedex and ups drivers you know (laughs) they are the lifeblood much like the person that answers the phone you know we've made i i continue to make mistakes all day long but i think we learn from them and when we do make a mistake that the customer sees we check it. We get, we get jump on it real quick. I mean, there
0: are only mistakes if you don't learn from them.
1: Exactly. And um, you know, like, like when we have problems with a, with a freight company and a freight company damages uh, our, our cans and the customer's like, well, I'm a, you know, 150 short days were damaged. I just credit them out. And, and and I will start the month long process to get our money back from the freight company. But I want the customer to, to know that, Hey, he handled this quickly. I don't have a reason not to go back to him for the, the next order because we're square. He, I, every once in a while, I let him know, Hey, a month later, I'm still dealing with this credit, but Hey, you know, it's just, um, I, I want to make sure they know we take care of them. And I, and again, I learned that the hard way you've, you've done it too. You, if you don't take care of these guys, they're going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to remember it.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Are you fully in the new facility now?
1: Yeah, we spent uh about 4 or 5 weeks transitioning from our old facility which is uh which was a, we've almost doubled our space. Um you know the timing was right with this facility uh was vacant for about 9 months. I'm with the same landlord. He put a ton of dough into this place. We've put a lot of money into this place in the move and getting it up to speed and the dust has almost settled. One thing I learned in our smaller facility and I again I talked to a guy that when this came up, that has been through it before me, and I said, "Well, how did you know when was the right time to move?" And he goes, "There's only two things you got to worry about." He goes, "Either you need more concrete, or you need more iron, meaning you know you need more space or mm-hmm. you need more equipment." And he goes, "If you don't have enough concrete, you can't bring in more iron." So I said, "Okay," and again, we make our move. It's a leap of faith. Faith. We ran the numbers. Yeah, I think we can we we're gonna we're gonna be fine with the trend we got going on. We're gonna hustle hard to make sure the, the business we have continues to grow. And you know, we're gonna we're gonna we've got a second shift going on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, and then we work on Saturdays. But our workflow, we probably picked up an hour, hour and a half a day from not moving inventory two and three times before it got to the machine.
0: So a little more efficiency oh, with the new space. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and just from an organization side of things, we are just immensely more organized than we were.
0: With all that you got going on, man, I know you still make time for golf. Uh, but yeah. what what do you do when you kick back? You still got the wine cellar.
1: Still got the wine cellar. I, uh, you know, I made my my neighbor who was the HVAC guy that helped us move. We made some wine last year. He made it this year. I couldn't do it this year. You know, we're in the waning weeks of the golf season it's all encompassing. And I think, you know, when I get home, we kind of, Megan and I kind of, my wife, we, 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 kind of recap what's going on and man I'm in the rack by 10 30 and I'm up at you know, <laughs> the next morning. So, you know, we're in a, we're in a tough phase the last couple of months and probably another month, you know, before we can get things settled, uh, you know, we're going to get there and, you know, I miss with all this going on you know, with everyone's at home, you know, we, I miss going out to dinner all the time. Um, but, you know, we, we put a pizza oven in uh, a year or so ago. We, we do that all the time. And it's just kind of the, the boys come back in town. The neighbors come back, smaller groups. We cook a little pizza and just have a little fun. You know, and I think that's the new norm right now. Um, you know, especially when the winter kicks in here. Um, you know, I've got a neighbor in the, in the complex that they used to supply fruits and vegetables to the restaurant industry. Well, now they've pivoted, and they're supplying fruits and vestib- vegetables for home delivery. So we've taken that, and my wife's got all these new vegetables that we never thought we had that existed. She's eating most of them. I'm eating a few of them. But so, okay. we're, you know, everyone's turned into homebodies, and I guess that's good. It's tough for the restaurant industry because, you know, everyone's kind of changed their patterns, you know? Right.
0: So. Well, folks, if you didn't know from the golf references and the name of the company, Brian's avid Golfer, so that's where the, the Augusta comes from he, he, I, I've, It's been a long time since I've been to the house, but that the putting green is, is but
1: the still putting there. green and the sand trap is still there. And, yeah. you know, with all this going on, I spent a lot more time chipping and putting just to kind of keep, you know, if, if I can go out to the, the, the putting green and chip and putt a few at, as the, as the, it gets dark at night and kind of clear the head, you know, that's all you really kind of need. You, everyone kind of needs that outlet to just kind of clear them head, their head and you know, keep the damn TV off and keep the radio off and keep politics out of it. And, you know, uh, keep off the phone. I mean, I think, you know, right now I'm watching too much politics. I'm I'm on that dang phone all the time. It's just good to, golf is great because you can, it's just a as, as a one, one guy said, it's a good walk spoiled. And, and, but you get, you get an opportunity to clear your head, stop thinking about everything you got to get done or your things you didn't get done. And I think that's what makes me strong in the morning, come back and and be, be a good boss for my employees and, and, and and be a good supplier to my, uh, to my customers.
0: All right. So as, as we wrap it up here, what's the most important thing people should know about you and, and Augusta label.
1: Um, we started again, it's cliche, you know, but that, that we, we treat the customer, you know, there's, there's a quote out there that, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's only, the only thing you got to know about, about customers is, uh, you know, there's, there's there's, the customer is always right. And if you don't believe the first rule, see rule two and the rule two is, uh, there is no, there is no rule (laughs) to customers (laughs) always right. Right. Again, it's cliche. Um, the customer, in the end, at the end of the day, isn't always right, but they have to know that they are always right. And if if you don't treat them like like you want to be treated, they're going to go somebody somewhere else. And you know what? We we try and do that. And when we don't, and when we fail, especially for a small business person, it hurts. It's it, it, you internalize a lot of that stuff. Um, so. know it doesn't happen in the big the big companies as much but when you're in a small company and you fail and 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 it really it it hurts and it's tough not to take that home but again when you have the outlet of going hitting balls or sitting down on the patio uh making a pizza or just vegging out uh, with a glass of wine that's that's your relief at the end of the day to kind of let everything you know flow through the system and um you know like i say put all the, the nasty politics and the, and, and, the phone down for a little while.
0: You got to disconnect sometimes, man.
1: It, you know what it is. I mean, it's, uh, you know, if I could just, I mean, if I could just take a couple days here and there, and uh, I'm going to go on a little golf trip later in the month uh, for a couple days just to get the head out of the game. And I think hopefully someday we'll be get back to soon. So we can take a little vacation and not have to worry about, you know, if, if I got to wear the mask on the airplane, if, if the, the city I'm going to is not going to let if I, it's it's got problems. I mean, there's just a lot of stress going on in the world, and I, I'm hoping within the next six months or so, is we're gonna we're gonna get back to like you say, somewhere near the new norm.
0: Well, Brian, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It was good talking Thank to you, you.
1: buddy. Uh, it was great to reconnect and keep in touch. And um, uh, I'm I'm happy to for anybody if anyone's looking for any help. Again, I'll do whatever it takes, because again, I've had people that have helped me out. No one starts a business without help. Uh, you can reach me, just go on our website, send me an email, I'm more than happy to help. You can call me anytime.
0: Yeah, go ahead and give the website. How do, how do people connect with you? It, it? it? It's AugustaLabel.com, uh,
1: and, and there's a contact uh, page in there. My cell phone's on there. Uh, by all means, reach out. And if I can help someone in some way, hey, that's what we're here for, you know?
0: Cool. you know, I had an idea just maybe as a, a part two to this is when when you're all settled in the new facility to come by and do like a little video tour of it if you're up to that. By all means. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, you know, we're not we're not making pacemakers here. So there's no really. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, by all means, let's 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 uh, do what we can and hopefully maybe help someone else down the line and, uh, and, and uh, it's all good.
0: All right, cool. Cool. We'll we'll, uh, be in touch about that. Thanks again, Brian. Thanks, bud. Thanks for listening to my chat with Brian Ormiston, owner of Augusta Label and Printing. Brian's a great entrepreneurial example of leveraging your existing knowledge and prior work experience into your own personal venture. Until next time, this is Cecil Archbold, Jr. for Cecil's Unknown Achievers.